Welcome to the Vital Dawn podcast for Wednesday, September 30th. S&P futures are trading off about 30 points. That is about 90 basis points. NASDAQ futures are down about 120 points. That is about 1%. Europe's major indices are trading off 40 to 70%. Asia was mixed. Japan uh, was hit overnight, uh, but there were some other um, areas of outperformance. Hong Kong in particular did well. Um, so there are a lot of moving pieces to go through this morning just to kind of run through them all. So the debate obviously is because a big topic in the US. Um, there is there is plenty to say about what occurred last night. There are doubts as to whether it was even a debate. Um, I think though, for the purposes of stocks, my takeaway was it was very solidifying. I think it cements the current poll trajectory. This was Biden's race to lose. Biden was the front runner. I think he remains the front runner. I think that the polling indication suggests the country is prepared to vote Trump out of office. They just need to have a quote unquote good enough alternative um, to feel comfortable voting for. And I think Biden kind of uh, uh, surpassed that threshold. It's not to say Biden's performance was spectacular. Um, I don't I don't necessarily think anyone won last night. Um but again, I think that the threshold for Biden was relatively low. I think he surpassed it. I think this keeps him in the in the lead. Um, and again, I think uh, you know if the if the vote for held today, he would win. And that's and we have you know a little bit more than thirty days to go before the uh, outcome of the election. I have my full thoughts on the debate I put out last night. There's a link to it in the piece today. I also put out a piece yesterday, just again looking at which permutation of White House Senate outcome. Um, would be most optimal for stocks. And that assumes that the House will stay in Democratic control, which I think um, is not really a controversial statement. So, you know, I had been saying, and I think this has been the consensus that a Biden-McConnell outcome would be optimal as that reduces your trade and tax risks. There has been, um, in the last couple of days, kind of an evolution in that view whereby people said a Biden-Schumer outcome could potentially be most beneficial as that would possibly lead to a splurge in fiscal spending which would presumably increase uh, or boost growth. I, I talk about that um, in the piece, just going through some of Biden's plans, looking at fiscal policy, looking at where he actually intends to spend money, um, and then obviously looking at his tax program. So I do not think that if the Biden blueprint were put into place as it now stands online, I think that would be a negative for the market. Um, but again, I go through all that in the piece today. So other topics to talk about today, there was a lot of economic data. Most of it was Positive. So China MBS PMIs, these are the first kind of official economic data point from China for the month of September. We're encouraging, not blowout, not spectacular, but certainly encouraging. You had retail sales out of Japan, Hong Kong, Germany, France. All of them exceeded expectations. Again, these are not necessarily blow away figures by any means, but certainly um, encouraging to see them come in ahead of expectations. So decent economic figures this morning internationally. On the monetary policy front, so the Fed conducted its big policy review, and then they unveiled the results at Jackson Hole. They're going to switch to this average inflation target. Um, the ECB is also conducting a policy review that is due out by the middle of next year. Lagarde gave a speech this morning where she kind of previewed where the ECB was heading um, in this process. And it looks like the ECB is kind of walking down that road also of shifting to this average inflation target. Most people assumed they would be forced to, um, just given what the Fed had done to keep ECB policy commensurate with what the Fed is doing. So her remarks should not be too shocking, um, but they are weighing on the euro a bit today. So that is the main macro uh, monetary policy piece of information. On the fiscal front, um, again, there's a lot of hope talk in the market about a US fiscal stimulus deal before the election. Um, again, I think that looks very unlikely. 
Um, you know, you did get some comments, headlines yesterday that in theory could help break the logjam in Washington. You have obviously this uptick in cases in New York City. You have the NFL news out from yesterday. Um, Disney announced a huge round of job cuts, 28,000 people in the U.S. parks. So those people that were on furlough, now they're going to be permanently laid off. So in theory, all of that could help break the logjam in Washington. I just don't think it's enough um, to really catalyze an agreement before the election. So Mnuchin and and Pelosi have been speaking for the last couple of days. P- Pelosi sounded hopeful that the two of them could reach an agreement. Again, the big area of discrepancy is between McConnell and Pelosi. I'm not even sure why the White House um, is as actively involved in this as they seem to be. Um, it would not be shocking at all to see the House and the White House come to some sort of a consensus on spending. But again, the big issue is McConnell, where a couple of weeks ago, he struggled to move a bill that only had $300 billion of incremental spending. Remember, Pelosi is at $2 trillion plus. Um, so it just seems that the McConnell-Pelosi gap is is insurmountable before the election. But um, And we could actually see that get confirmed either today or tomorrow. So um, you know, Pelosi and Mnuchin will be holding another round of talks today. If it looks like there's not a passable agreement to be had, Pelosi will just put her bill up for a vote in the House, um, and then the House will probably adjourn for uh, you know the re- until the election. So those are economic data, monetary policy, fiscal policy. Um, already talked about politics on the COVID front. A lot of news out in the last 24 hours. So again, you have the New York City news, you have the NFL news. Um, incidentally, neither of which was terribly negative. Um, I think again, if you look at the New York City details, um, you know it's a far it's far away from where it was back in March or April. Certainly, it's worth monitoring and it's and it's disconcerting. Um, but I don't think uh, the news is terribly negative. And you are seeing other areas around the country continue to kind of lift COVID restrictions. So Chicago, Tennessee, San Francisco, all in the last 24 hours, came out and announced plans to rescind. Some of the COVID restrictions, obviously, at Florida, Florida on Friday, that also just essentially reopened the entire state. Um, nothing all that incremental on the vaccine front. You did have Regeneron put out some positive data on its antibody treatment last night. Um, I, you know, certainly it's not negative. I just don't think it really shifts the narrative all that much. I think the markets are very focused on vaccines. Um, it's still, um, you know, the narrative around that is still the same. Where Moderna, Pfizer are thought to be furthest along. You could have both with preliminary safety efficacy numbers or preliminary safety efficacy data by the end of October, early November, Johnson and Johnson, um, you know, later this year, that Astra trial is still on hold in the U S um, you know, it's been a while now. So, uh, markets will be looking for more clarity on that. Um, the COVID rapid testing, I think is much more important than vaccines in the near term, as far as normalizing economic behavior. Again, the vaccines, to the extent we get preliminary data by the end of October, you're talking about possible emergency use authorization, maybe by the end of this year, um, you know, full approval, possibly by the end of this year, early next year, and then general availability, really not until the middle of 2021. In the near term, rapid testing um, could provide a, a path towards normalization. So you've seen a lot of announcements from companies, a bunch of airlines, American Airlines came out last night, they're the latest one, talking about um, rolling out rapid testing for certain international flights. MGM put out a big blueprint about how it is going, to, how it plans to bring convention activity back to Las Vegas. Again, rapid testing is, is at the center of that plan. So rapid testing, um, you know, I think to the extent you really see a rollout of tests, Remember, the U.S. bought about 150 million tests from Abbott, um, and it's deploying them to the states. I think that could really be a needle mover in terms of normalizing behavior, much more so than vaccines. Um, 
a lot of tech regulation news out today. So the House is working on a big report looking into antitrust violations by U.S. tech firms. That report could be out by Monday. The DOJ could launch their lawsuit against Google within the next week. The EU is set to roll out a new set of rules that would force tech giants operating in Europe to share data with rivals. And then it's just crossing the tape right now that China is considering an antitrust investigation into Google. Um, and that investigation was prompted by complaints by Huawei. So, um, you know, US tech giants are certainly coming under more tech scrutiny. I'm sorry, regulatory scrutiny. Investors have not been terribly worried about this in months past. Um, Honestly, none of the none of these initiatives are really probably going to dent a sector, but from a sentiment perspective, it's certainly something to watch. Especially, again, on the Chinese front, um, you know, the U.S.-China relationship continues to deteriorate uh, pretty dramatically, um, and this is certainly one risk that you would have with a second Trump term, where um, you know I think the a, the trade tensions with U.S. and China would escalate dramatically, as well as with other major economic partners, especially the EU. Uh, on the company specific front, there was a lot to go through. Most of it's relatively minor. The micron earnings were out last night. The quarter was decent. The guidance was soft. Um, they are cutting off shipments to Huawei as of September 14th. They have applied to the Commerce Department to get a waiver to some of the restrictions to, to resume shipments and products. But um, again, that you know the the um, severing of um, U.S. Chinese relations uh, is certainly taking place. There's an article about SMIC, which again is Chinese largest semiconductor manufacturer, has been stockpiling equipment in anticipation of increased U.S. restrictions. This is a risk, I think, for tech over the coming quarters, whereby I think you have seen a, a lot of stockpiling occurring that's perhaps boosting results at the moment that could lead to an overhang, um, you know, perhaps in Q4 or Q1. That's I think that's something to watch. Um, a few a few M&A headlines, including Duke Energy getting a takeout bid. Um, and then a bunch of other items as well. Sherwin-Williams issued an upside pre-announcement. Um, but again, a lot more to take a look at in the piece. The calendar for today, as far as scheduled news, is very light. Um, on the macro front, really, it's just the ADP jobs reported at um, at 8.15. And then the head of the FAA, who is a former Delta pilot, is going to be test flying the 737 MAX. So this is an important step in that plane getting back into circulation. Um, you know, most people assume that you're going to see the approvals come from both the EU and the US um, by the end of October. Certainly not negative for Boeing, but again, I think the bigger issue right now is that there's just no need for increased planes for, uh, on part of airlines, and that's really, I think, um, the the main problem facing Boeing. So that is everything for today. Like I said, a lot to look through. There's a lot more in the piece, uh, and thank you everyone for listening. <laughs>